So I want to talk about shodding your, your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace today. So if you let's uh, turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6, and you can follow it through your Bible or you can look up at the top, but have it, have it open there if you've got your Bible there, Ephesians chapter 6. And um, we'll read that. We'll go from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the trickery or the tricky schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all else, taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench the fiery darts of the, the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And Father, we just thank you that your word never changes. Father, that it is solid, it is concrete, Father, that it is enduring forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, Lord Jesus, but your word will not. Father, when we go to be with you and everything has finished here, Father, your word will remain the same. And Lord, we thank you for its permanence. We thank you that it never changes, Father, and that it is constant. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the incarnate word of God and that you are here today, Lord Jesus. And we would ask you, Lord Jesus, to, to touch our hearts and our lives and make room for your word in our lives, Lord Jesus. We want to hear it. We want to obey it, Father. We want to do it, Father. And we want it to change us, to be more like you. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, the text that we're going to be looking at um, is uh, the last part of this passage here. It says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt or girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness. We looked at truth and righteousness the last few times. That we, and now we're going on, and have your feet shod or put shoes on with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Um, Ephesians. Chapter 6.15 says, And have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Again, the tense of this word is an interesting tense because it means you have put them on at a, at a present time. Now they are on you. Keep walking around in these shoes that you have. The preparation of the gospel of peace. So this idea is in the aorist tense. It says it's there present with you now. It's not past, like you have to, had put them on or you have to put them on in the future. It's in the aorist tense, which means now you have them on, which is consistent with this whole idea that we've been talking about. This is a passage of prayer that talks about a continual communication with God, a continual walk with God. It's not just prayer when you come to a prayer meeting. It's living a life of prayer. Who's been, as we've been going through this, developing a more prayerful life. Put up your hand if you've been trying to 
be praying more as you're going through the day and just talking to Jesus more as you're going through the day. That's, that's exactly what we should be doing. That's the prayer life that this is talking about. That's being ready for Jesus. That's walking and talking and communing with Jesus. And so he's saying here in this passage, you have your feet, you have shoes on. You have shoes on now. He says that you should be walking around in another preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, this part of this passage is, is, is another part where we oftentimes get this out of context. And I have preached in times taking this, this and making a pretext out of it and talking about evangelism from this passage. You know, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Get ready to share your faith with regard to evangelism. But I don't think that that's what this context is about. And I'm probably repentant of that now. And I say, okay, well, I think it's right to talk about evangelism. Um, It's important that we understand that we keep it in context in this passage of Scripture. Um, You are under constant attack. Whether you know it or not, you are. There is a constant attack coming at you. Whether it's something that you're feeling, a sense of lethargy that just sort of comes on you whether you feel it's your hormones or whether you think it's just tiredness, whether it's distracted thinking where your mind is just getting scrambled and you can't even get, get your head together and, and, and think about what's, what's really going on in your life. You, you start to lose your memory on things or, you, or maybe you're just getting stressed. You're feeling an anxiety inside. Maybe you're feeling kind of disillusioned. You know, thoughts of comparison have flooded into your mind. You've been comparing yourself with somebody else and you feel that you've come off a little less than the other person. And so there's a sense of injustice flooding through your spirit, through your heart. You're getting a sense of uh, distraction through materialism. You, you, you're looking at things and you're just getting an itch for something that you haven't got, you know, and you're feeling inside that you want something that you haven't got and then you feel angry because you can't get what you haven't got, you know, because you haven't got the money to do it. And you start feeling bitter inside that. Maybe life has dished you out some hardships and you're feeling that you're feeling resentful and feelings of resent now flood through you or go through your mind and you, and you sense a, a struggle with forgiving certain people. Maybe it's, it's lust, maybe it's a passion, a drive that's in you that you just sort of can't control and it's like it's, it's taking you and sweeping you off your feet and pushing you and you think, how can I ever control this strong passion that I'm feeling in myself? You think, that's just me. It's just me. Well, the Bible doesn't say it's just you. The Bible says it's the enemy and he's coming at you And just as the Spirit of God speaks to you and he speaks to you very quietly in your thoughts and it just sounds like you, so the devil comes at you and speaks to you and talks to you and probs you and and, and kicks you. We have an enemy and he's about us everywhere you look. And he wants to undo you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take you undone. He is not going to be happy until he does that. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12, verses 10 to 12, it says, I heard a a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who has accused them before, the, the, before our God day and night has been cast down. And so in heaven, we see that there's a, you know, the devil was up there accusing people before God. He's been cast down to earth. You know, Jesus has come. He's dealt the blow. He's defeated the enemy. He's standing before the Father. The devil's out of there. He's... Jesus is standing there interceding for the saints. The the devil doesn't have a word in there anymore. He's been cast down to the earth. And then it says, And we, the Christians, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. That means Christians, real Christians, they overcame the devil 
by the blood of the Lamb. They just took what Jesus did on the cross and they said, Jesus, on the premise of what you did on the cross, I stand in victory. I stand against what is happening here. And their confession was that way. They testify, they testify, God is in me, God is in control, and I'm just pressing on on it. That's what they did. They worded their testimony, and they didn't love their lives to the death. They were willing to die for their lives. And then the passage says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Why? Why woe? Why woe to the inhabitants of the earth? Well, this is what it says. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now, it's late in the day. Jesus is coming soon. If you look at the, 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 where we are in our society and the, and the things that have changed in our society in the last 100, 200 years, it's amazing. The modern world in which we live, absolutely amazing. And this is the home and the abode of Satan. And every one of his ugly demons. And he's living here in this place. He lives in Australia. He lives in every country of the world. And he is angry. And he's angry because he just does not want Jesus to come back and take control. And while he knows his days are short, he's just out to wreak havoc, to destroy, and to maim, and to kill. And you wonder sometimes why you get distracted. Well, I want to tell you why you get distracted. Because the devil's actively working in your head trying to make sure that you can lose your vision, lose your focus so he can destroy you. He's not happy with you loving Jesus. And he wants to stop that before it goes too far. The Bible tells us that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, he says, be sober. That means be alert, be vigilant. Watch, watch. Watching. He says, because the devil, he says, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He says, resist him steadfast to the face, knowing that the same suffering was experienced by your brothers, the brotherhood in the world. Now, listen to me. Did this week, how much resisting did you do? Did you, did you find every day that you're up there and something would come in your head and you start saying, oh, I've got to resist that. I've got to push that aside. Did, did, you, did, you, did you go two steps down the road and then it's back again in your head again and you've got to resist that again? Did you find there was something building up inside of you, resentment or something else that was building up inside and you look at it and think, what is that? And you have to push it down. Did you do the resisting thing? Did you do it every minute of the day? Did you, did you look at some magazine and see something and a lust for something you didn't have start to rise? And did you resist it? Did you look across the room and see somebody and think something you shouldn't have thought? Did you resist it? Did you, did you resist every day? Did you resist every minute of the day? You know, sometimes we get so tired of resisting, we think, oh, well, it's just, do I have to live this way every day? Because the minute you stop resisting, something's going to creep up and bite you in the back of the neck and drag you away because this life here on this earth you have to deal with the devil who's been cast down now we think you know well you know this is the west we don't even believe in the devil that's what we think you know there is no devil there's no god there's no devil there's no hell and the devil laughs he says that's okay if you don't believe i'll just take you away anyway it just doesn't matter 
The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the seeds that the devil plants today will grow up into weeds that will strangle you tomorrow if you don't watch it. If you don't understand that you have to be diligent and alert and sober and watchful and, and, and constantly aware of what's going on, the seeds that the devil plants today, and he will only plant a little one. You'll just, you'll just accept that little idea. Just accept it. That's a, just a small idea. Don't bother to shift it. Oh, it's, it's a little idea, a little thought. You just leave it there, you know. And it will grow to a weed that will choke you to death tomorrow. You've got to, this is, you, can't, you can't pick this up on Sunday and walk this way on Sunday and then think on Monday you can just get back to life and just live like you normally do. You know, walking with Jesus is a constant. It's a continuous. This, this whole thing about having the armor of God and never taking it on, it's having the truth of God around your waist, having the breastplate, continuously asking God to cleanse you, continuously asking God to fill you, continuously asking God to, to give you an appetite for Him, continuously asking God to, to work with you and, and, and through your life. This is not just... Something you do on Sunday, it's something that you do every minute of every day. And here he takes the same idea. He says, now you have to put some shoes on. He says, you've got the shoes on now. He says, now you need to walk in these shoes. And these shoes need to make you strong. Our text says that your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, in context, this is not talking about evangelism. The context is standing firm and resisting the devil's attack in and through your continued prayer. That's the context. You read the whole passage. It talks about standing firm. It talks about wrestling. This is not talking about evangelism, although I've talked about evangelism from this passage, and I've heard other people speak about evangelism from this passage. If we wanted to talk about evangelism and shoes and feet, we would probably use this passage in Romans chapter 10. He says, and it's all about preaching, and how will they hear if nobody goes and preaches them? And then it says, How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So that's where I think we get confused, because we have a scripture that talks about preaching that has beautiful feet, but then we have this scripture in Ephesians which talks about shod your feet with the gospel of peace. And we think, oh, that's the same thing, isn't it? No, I don't think it is. This one's talking about preaching. The other one's talking about praying. So let's have a look at what it means. It speaks about our defense in a continuous prayer walk. That's what it speaks about. And it says, prepared, be prepared. And so it's being in a condition of readiness. Now the shoes that were spoken of here were a sandal that the Roman soldier used to wear. They were a hard sandal. They had very hardened leather underneath the bottom and they usually had nails that were driven through the hardened leather and sealed off there so that there were... Like, like knobs or like, the, like your rugby boots or like your golf shoes, if you like. They give you traction and grip. And then they would bind them to their foot so they were bound with leather straps onto their foot and so they would never move. So everywhere they walked, it wouldn't matter where they walked, they had solid footing and they would stand there. Nothing could push them because they had traction. They could walk up a hill and they wouldn't slip down it. They could walk down a, a muddy hill and wouldn't slip down it. They had traction, they had, they had grip, they had their feet, with, it was solid. So that's the idea of the picture. That's the metaphor. Being ready. Being ready. Getting your feet in a good position and having your shoes on so that you're not moved. That something comes and hits you, you're not shifted. You're not slipping. And this is the sober attitude that we should be having. It speaks of 
getting ourselves ready for the trouble that Satan brings to us on a regular basis. So we're gotten ready with the gospel of peace. What is it? Peace is more than the absence of conflicts. We think, oh, we want to have peace. We want to live somewhere where there is peace. That means uh, we want to be at, at a place where there is no conflict. So oftentimes your house is rowdy and the kids are fighting with each other and you just, just want some peace. What you want is the absence of conflict. But this peace is not talking about the absence of conflict. This piece is talking about a sense of well-being that transcends all circumstances. That's the piece. So it doesn't matter about the circumstances around you. The piece that we are told to, told to put on our feet and to stand strong is a piece that comes from having a right relationship with God and not being moved by anything that happens around you. That's the piece that we're to put upon our feet. That's the piece that meant to guard our lives. You see, the storms in life bring a sense of unrest. Whatever you go through in life that is difficult and hard, it causes you to be dissatisfied, discontent, have a sense of unrest. And when that sense of unrest is there, that's exactly the time that Satan uses to get to you. When you get shifted by something that happens to you. So it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether the kids are screaming and they're, they're not doing what they're told. It doesn't matter whether your pay got cut. It doesn't matter whether you didn't get a pay. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you lost your job. It doesn't matter if your schooling's hard. It doesn't matter what is happening to you. If it's able to shift you somewhere, if it's able to cause you an unrest, if it's able to, to stir you up inside, to somehow undermine the peace that you have, you just lost your footing. You just lost your footing and when you lose your footing, the devil comes at you like a bull and he hits you harder, harder, harder until you are then on the run and you are then stumbling backward, backward, backward as he hits you and hits you and hits you because he wants you to get to lose your footing. And if he gets you to lose your footing, you just lose that piece. He's got you on the run. That's why you have to get ready for the impact. You get ready for it. You brace yourself for it. You watch it. It's coming. It's going to come as certain as the day comes after the night and the night comes after the day. It is coming. A storm is coming. We face storms every day. And those who are not ready for them feel the sense of unrest. And when it hits them, they start stumbling back. And the devil looks at that and says, good and comes in for the kill so to pray continuously you have to brace yourself continuously with a peace that is secure in spite of anything that happens around you so let's have a look at this the peace is is a sense of well-being that transcends the storm now you remember quite clearly jesus had that sense of peace in his life He'd just been teaching the disciples and telling all the disciples and different ones on the, on the side of the lake, teaching from the boat about um, the parables and the kingdom of God. And he decided in, 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 I think it was in Mark chapter 4, he says, okay, let's get over to the other side. And so he climbs into the boat with the, with the disciples and the disciples head off. Now these disciples are, 
the, the seamen, they know exactly how to fish. They know how to, to, to control a boat. They're commonly out there on the water. They're, they're not scared of the water, okay? So they're all out there and Jesus has gone to sleep in the boat. And when Jesus is asleep in the boat, suddenly a storm comes up. It's a storm and a half. Now, I don't know what you feel like, but I don't do water real well. I don't do water on boats real well. And Alan was telling me a story some time ago when he was a young man. He was on a boat and he, got, he started doing some fishing out at the top of Thursday Island. And he went by himself in his little dinghy and out and did some fishing. And when he got out there, a storm came up. Big, well, it was a big water, wasn't it, Al? And he's sitting in his boat and he's going, he's thinking, now I've got to get home, but the waves are huge. And as he's going, the thing comes out of the water at the back and the boat's going to the side and, he, and the big wave comes and nearly tosses him out. I mean, he can see he's going to get thrown under the drink. He's going to drown. I mean, uh, did you stop? Were you scared? You were fearful? Did you think you were going to die? Well, I mean, I'm with him. When you get in water like that, you get, you know... What is it we don't like about storms? Unpredictable, out of control. What is it we don't like about the storms that hit us? Tell me, why don't you like a storm? You're not in control. The situations around you are controlling you. The circumstances about you are stronger than you are. You're feeling like you're at the, at the, the center of something that is going to whisk you away and destroy Alan was just praying and hanging on and just hoping he didn't get thrown out because he just wanted to make it to the shore. Just wanted to make it home. You made it home, didn't you, Al? But he told me about it, and and when he told the story, I was terrified for him. We don't like it because the circumstances are out of control and we may feel threatened and in danger. That's why we don't like storms. But you know what? There's a storm just made for every one of us. Esther, there's a storm just waiting for you. That's true. There's a storm waiting for you. Waiting for you. And it will be unleashed on you. In fact, it will shake you to the core of you. It will shake you till everything can be shaken. And we know that that's true because the scripture tells us that's true. But in the midst of the storm, we can prepare for that. Jesus, look, when he, when he was in the storm, he, he, he said to them, he said, they come running to him, wake up, wake up, wake up, we're going to die, we're going to go under the drink, wake up, we're really frightened here. And he looks at them sort of incredulously and says to them, why are you so fearful? I mean, clearly Jesus was not panicked by the storm. Clearly there was something in the Prince of Peace that was not moved by the storm. Yes, the water was coming in the boat. Yes, he probably got wet. And yes, they were wet. And yes, they were freaking out. Yet Jesus was not. He looked at the storm. He says, why are you so fearful? He spoke to the storm and said, be still. And the storm settled. Straight away, there was a calm. And if you go, if you go to, I think it's Psalm 107, I think verse 23, it actually talks about 
this in a psalm where David talks about them. They were on the water and the storm rose up and they cried out to the Lord and, and, and uh, then he spoke it and it was calm. It actually almost, I can imagine Jesus reading that the day before or the morning before, like he's woken his ear to listen to like one being taught, reading that psalm, then getting on the, on the lake, having the storm go, well, you know, that's what it says in Psalm 107, you know, 23, I speak to the storm and it shuts down. So he says, be still and it shuts down. But you know what? The disciples hadn't read that. And the disciples didn't know who was in the boat with them. And the disciples didn't have any confidence in Jesus at that point of time. They didn't have any faith in him. They just saw the storm, the size of the storm, and they freaked out. There was no peace in their lives. Their lives were vulnerable to the storm. So when Jesus spoke to them, he says, how is it you don't believe? He says, why is it that you, you don't see that I'm here and that I have power to do this and they were freaked out after jesus calmed the storm they sit and they said who is this that speaks and the storm obeys him so we don't like storms because storms cause us to be out of control and they threaten us and we're all going to have a storm come up to us but the wise man prepares himself for the storm the bible tells us that the bible tells us that storms are a certainty and the question that we really have to ask ourselves is, are we going to be standing after the storm? Because everybody's going to face a storm sooner or later. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 25, or 27, Jesus actually talks about a storm. If you remember, he says, um, many will come on that day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we you know, done so many? And he'll say, you know, not everybody that calls me Lord will enter in the kingdom of heaven. And then he just says, Lord, let me, let me explain this to you, he says. He says, um, the person who hears the words that I say and does them, he is like a man who builds his house upon a rock. He says, and when the storms come, the winds and the waves and the water beat against the house, he says, it doesn't move. It's immovable. It's solid. So storms hit it. It's prepared for the storms. It's got a good foundation. It doesn't move. And he says, and the one who doesn't do what I say, who doesn't listen to me, he says, they're like the ones who built on the sand. He says, and when the storms of life come, he says, it washes out their foundation and the house falls down. Now, when we're talking about listening to what God is saying and obeying God, we're talking about communion. And remember last week we talked about communion, which is continuous. Continuous communion with God. So when we have Jesus in our lives, we're speaking to him and he's speaking to us. Not having a rule book saying, now what are the rules I have to keep? It's having the spirit of Jesus in us and then listening to him. He says, if you listen to me, if I'm talking to you and you're listening to me, he says, if you are obeying me when I'm talking to you, he says, no matter what the storm is, he says, you'll have a solid foundation. You will not get moved. So we're told that the thing that we have to do to prepare for a storm, if we want to have that peace inside, is live in this communion with him. So we are listening to him and then obey him when he speaks to us. He says, if we're doing that, we're listening to him, hearing him, and obeying him, then when the storm hits, we'll be right. Listening to him, hearing him, and obeying him brings that sense of peace into our lives because we know where he wants us to be. Paul had that in his life. Now, this is an amazing passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 because it actually shows you the depth of the storm for Paul's life. Now, if you go through Paul's life and look at the things that Paul suffered, remember at the very beginning of Paul's life, 
you know, Anias went to him and said, you know, he, he, he was going to go and pray for him and, and ask God to heal him from the condition after he'd seen the bright light. He was blind and, and God, Jesus said, go and pray for him and scales would drop from his eyes. He'll start to see. But he says, I'm showing Paul how much he's going to suffer for my name's sake. That's what he told him. And then when you get to Corinthians, Paul starts to write down a few things that he's been through. A bit of the storm brief, you know. Let's have a look, he says. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may, not be, may be of God and not of us. And so he's saying this, vest, this, this treasure that we have is the spirit of God. We have it on the inside. He is in us. And, and so it's not our power. We don't have to be in control. The power and the control comes from him. He's the one who's living in us. So we've got this on the inside. So the prince of peace lives within us. Paul is actually saying this is what we've got in this earthen vessel, this, this body. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. So that's the storm. Is a bit yet not crushed. See, the storm hit, but it couldn't break him. We are perplexed. Oh, yeah. Things are troubling him, perplexing him. But he's not in despair. He says, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. He says, we're struck down, but not destroyed. This is not a nice thing. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. He was threatened. He was put in chains. He was thrown in prison. He'd been through some storms. But he never quit. In fact, if you go through the book of Philippians and you read through Philippians, this is a, a, an epistle that's written while he's in jail. And as you're looking at the, at the just see he's just rejoicing the Lord always. And, he's, and it's just, he's just buoyant. There is nothing that is stopping this man. He's got this deep peace that just keeps on going. His life is guarded and shielded from the storm. He's not going to be messed up by a storm. He's got something on his life. He says, he's always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in his body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal flesh. He says, I'm even facing death, he says, but it doesn't matter. He says, Jesus' life is abundantly coming out of my life, he says. And then he goes in verse 16, he says, therefore we do not lose heart. He says, I'm not getting stressed about anything. I'm not going to get downhearted. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to be disillusioned. I'm not going to get upset, he says. I'm not going to lose heart. He says, for though the outward is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, the little things that are happening to me now, the light affliction, which is about, but for a moment, is working for us far greater exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, the things that are unseen, eternal. He's got his eyes completely shifted from where he's at. You know, you're looking at the storm like Peter. Peter Jesus is walking on the water. I want to walk on the water, says Peter. Said, Fine, okay. Jesus says, come. So Peter climbs out the boat and the Bible says he walks on the water. But you know what? He got a couple of paces then he shifted his focus from the Lord and put his eyes on the storm. That's what you do. You shift your eyes from the Lord and you put your focus on the storm. The light and momentary problems become the center of your focus, not the eternal weight that's coming at the end of them, not Jesus who's in the midst of them with you, not the one who's holding you up. You look and you shift and you put your eyes on the storm. I don't have enough money. On the storm. 
I don't have enough knowledge. On the storm, I don't have enough whatever it takes, you know, the lack. You, you look and you, and you put that there, the storm, the problems. You put your focus on that and all of a sudden the weight of those things start to cause you to sink in the water of the storm like Peter sank in the water. Put his eyes on the waves and down he went. Slowly. I can imagine, just imagine that, just slinking, stinking, sinking slowly, you know. Oh, I'm up to my knees now. I'm looking at the storm. I'm up to here. He didn't say drop headlong into it. He said he began to sink. Began to sink. Didn't drop into it and went under. He began to sink like it stopped. That's what happens. The storm comes. Whoosh, blows you around. We sit there and we get all upset about the situations around. We cannot control that. That's out of our control. And we shift our eyes from where we're meant to be. We take peace away because the Prince of Peace is not focused on and we begin to sink. And that's where we find ourselves. Having our feet covered with the great news of the peace of God equips us to stand in the lives of storms. It helps us to keep on going. Jesus said these words in John chapter 13, 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In me, you may have peace. In this world, he promises something. What does he promise? What does he say? In this world, you will have trouble. Vanilla, this world is going to give you nothing but trouble. It's, it's going to come and it's going to mess you up if you let it. In this world, the devil has enough in this world to cause your mind to spin continuously for every day until you die. He will get you that distracted and keep your mind spinning every day until you die, if you let him. In this world, you will have tribulation. It's a promise. But what did Jesus say? That you will have peace where? In me, you will have peace. It's about your focus. It's about what you're looking at. You want to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace? This is a continuous walk with the Prince of Peace. This is a continuous walk with the focus on the Prince of Peace. Putting your shoes on, having your shoes on, and being prepared for the storms of life is having Jesus in the boat with you, saying that it doesn't matter what storms hit us now, Jesus, we're in this together. You're not going to suffer me to drown unless you want me to drown. You're not going to suffer me to die of hunger unless you want me to die of hunger. You're not going to suffer me to be bashed to death if you, unless you wanted me to be bashed to death. You're not going to let anything happen to me that you don't want to let. You are sovereignly in control. It doesn't matter what government is in control. It doesn't matter whether I've got lots of money or no money or got a job or no education. It doesn't matter those things. Do not matter. When Jesus is in the boat, it doesn't matter. We have peace in him. We have peace that overcomes every situation when Jesus is our focus. So putting your shoes on is about walking with Jesus. It's about walking with the Prince of Peace and recognizing that no matter what we go through, no matter what comes our way, we cannot be moved. When Jesus is in the center, Ornella, it doesn't matter what happens to you because nothing will move you because you can't move Jesus. He's immovable. 
We have peace because he's there. I know it's difficult for us. But Paul says this to us. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Yeah, we get weak about this thing. We wake up one morning and because we don't feel good inside, we may feel sick or we may feel tired or we may feel like I'm bored or whatever you're feeling, it doesn't matter. We may wake up one day and we just feel weak. He says, but you know what? You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, he's not there. He's not there just to sit there and watch you go through the the mill so that you can drown. No, he's there to intercede for you. He's there to pray for you so that your peace will remain. So as the Holy Spirit is there, he says, the Holy Spirit understands us in our weaknesses. He says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And some people say, well, that's obviously speaking in tongues. You know, you've got to go through life speaking in tongues. I don't think so. I don't think so. You know why? Because he says, with groanings which cannot be uttered. So I don't think it's speaking in tongues. I think praying in tongues is something else. I think that you can read that somewhere else. But I think this is something else. I think this is the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And as we get there, we may just groan because it's hard. We may just heavy sigh because we're facing another thing. It may not be words that come out of our mouth. It may be just our heart cry out of it and it's the holy spirit saying strengthen him now god hold him now god be strong for him now god it's without words uttered it's just the groaning of the holy spirit within us because he knows what we're going through and he's interceding for us he is there with us he's there helping us he's never left you never will he ever forsake you where we can say the lord is my help i shall not fear what man shall do unto me he is so committed to you that even when you're going through hard times and you can't get your head around it, and you, can't even don't, you don't even know what to pray, you begin to groan as the Holy Spirit talking to God the Father saying, help him now, strengthen her, breathe into her. What a wonderful God we have. What a wonderful Jesus. In the midst of storms, he would come with his Holy Spirit to comfort us. To settle us and say, don't lose your focus now. Don't lose your peace. You really have to push him aside to get worried. You really have to do him some damage to let the situation overcome you. You've got to willfully unbelieve. Because the core of you wants to have faith. That's what makes fear such a terrible thing because it's willful disbelief. The spirit of Jesus inside of you, interceding for you, you sit there and the first thing you you just need to pray about that. You just need to pray about that. And you have to push it aside. The first thing we should do is pray. The first thing we should do is come to Jesus. I'm not feeling well. Come to Jesus. I'm feeling stressed. Come to Jesus. I don't have enough money. Let's pray about that. I'm feeling tired. Let's pray about that. I'm feeling stressed. Let's pray about that. Well, you just sound like a chicken. Let's pray about that. Let's pray about that. Let's pray about that. 
How often does the chicken cluck? All day. That's what our life should be like. Come on, let's, let's pray about that. Let's ask Jesus to help us in that situation. But we get so distracted. We get so, like God is over here, somewhere he's over there. And when I think about it, and my work and my life and my education and all my things are here. This is the stuff that I have to manage. And we get into control mode, like we have to manage this stuff now. We have to take control of it. Somehow we have to work this thing, you know? And we leave Jesus sitting over there, not realizing that Jesus wants to walk with us. He's in here with us, and he wants, we should include him. Say, hey, how am I meant to deal with this one, Jesus? Would be a good prayer. Oh, look, looks like it's stressful here. What are, what, what, what are the dangers here, Lord, with all this stuff? What are the dangers that I'm facing here? I'll show you the dangers, he says, if you ask me. Why do we put him over there? Why do we wait, come at the end of the day and say, oh, I better think about Jesus? It's like the dog that you left at home while you went to work. You come home and the dog runs up and wags its tail and you pat him on the head. That's what you treat him like, like a dog. I'll come to you when I finish work and I'll pat you on the head, Jesus. You wag your tail and you, I'll pat you on the head, Jesus. I've had my time with you. Now get away from me. I want to watch TV. That's what it's like. That's what we do. That's how we live. We decompartmentalize our lives and we break it off so that Jesus sits over there out of the way so we can get about life, doing our stuff. No wonder we have stress in this world. That was never the pattern. That was never the point. He says that you abide in me and I would abide in you. That you would live with me and I would live with you. That, that your Holy Spirit, would, he would be there with us forever to live with you and abide with you and strengthen you. It was never decompartmentalized. You never left the dog at home. In fact, the master took you wherever he wanted you to go and you followed like the dog. Paul says here, he says, Now he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit, what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who, who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so it doesn't matter what happens in our life, and it doesn't matter how hard it is, and it doesn't matter how unjust it seems to us. It doesn't really matter what happens, because the Bible already tells us, God has already told us that everything will work out for better. It will work out for good. He's got a plan. It's going to work out. Don't worry about it. You get stressed about it. Don't get stressed about it. I've got a plan. It will work out. Uh, you know, I'm worried. But you can, tell you, can you tell me? You know, uh, you know, I would like to know what's coming. I'm not going to tell you what's There's enough trouble today. Just work what you have today. I'll look after tomorrow. Trust me. Trust me. And so we trust. And we go to the day and we work through the day trusting Jesus and that's all we can do and tomorrow we start again he says there in Romans chapter 8 verse 37 to 39 and in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us but this is the constitution of the heart of a person who is continuously in fellowship with God in all of these things we are more than conquerors now you know what the difference between a conqueror is and a more than a conqueror do you know what the difference is? Sorry? Well, the, it's like Jenny and I. 
okay, I'll be the conqueror. So I had to go actually and add, you know, if I was a boxer, I'd go and actually have a fight with somebody. I'd be, I'd be fighting and I'd have to do the rounds. So I knock the person out, boom, they fall over on the ground, I get the prize. I've got the money in my pocket now. My wife's standing at the side of the ring and she says, thanks for that. Well, she's more than the conqueror. The conqueror has to fight. The more than the conqueror gets the prize without the fight. Wait a minute. Are you saying that we don't have to fight? Yeah, well, he says, it, the Bible says you have to fight. Does it? What does it say? Fight the good fight of faith. What is the faith? What is the faith? Trust in God. Who's the battle with? Satan. Who's fighting Satan? Jesus is. Jesus has already beaten him. He's already destroyed him. He's already cut him down. He's already made a, a mockery of him. Satan has already been defeated. He can't beat you anymore. He's already been defeated. So what you have to do now is be more than the conqueror. You have to say, take the victory. And you have to say to the devil, hey, devil, you might bring the storm. But guess what? The victory is mine in Jesus. And that brings peace inside. You don't have, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay, you lose your job. You're sitting there. Your bank account goes down like that. You don't have any money. Or you come to Australia. You come to a place. You've got no money in the bank. You can't, and then all of a sudden God says, I'll bless you. I'll give you a place. I'll give you some work. So how did that happen? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't have to worry. If I trust Jesus, he will look after me. If I put my faith in Jesus, he will look after the detail. I can't see the detail. I'm just in the storm. I can't see the way out of this. I don't know how it's going to come out of this. You know, but Jesus knows the answer. And if I put the fight in the faith and just rest in him and say, I believe you, Jesus. I just put my trust in you. Every day I put my trust in you. That's the fight. Doesn't matter what's happening. Jesus is in the boat. Doesn't matter how much storm there is, Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. The Prince of Peace is in the boat. Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me now in the boat while the storm rages. And if he's asleep, if he's asleep, what does that mean? It means I can sleep. If he's asleep, it means he's not worried about it. And if he's not worrying about it, then I'm not going to worry about it. It's time to let it go. Now, if the devil is, the only way that the devil can get to you is trying to get you to feel unrest inside, to stir you up, kind of mess you up. Get them to mess you up inside. Get you all stressed up inside. Now, you know, if, if he's trying every which way to try and get you Stirred up, and every time he comes to you, just like Jerome, you just like, hmm? I'm just confident. He can't get you. You're solid. You are solid because you have confidence. But if I can get to talk to you and say, well, you know, you just look at that other person over there, and you compare yourself with that person. That person over there has got a whole lot more than you, hey? Well, just think about that for a little while, eh? Just think about that, hey? Yeah, isn't that unjust? You know, you've worked just as hard as he is. He's worked twice as hard as you. You've worked twice as hard as he, but he's got more than you now. Well, that, well, think about that now. Just think about that. I'll come back and talk to you about it later. 
did you, did you notice that? He's got something else now. Like, like just ponder that, you know. You worked three weeks and you got half as much. Think about that. Think about it now. Like before, you, you don't want to eat, do you? You just don't, you don't feel like you want to eat anymore, do you? It's just, it's just getting you. It's get, you got it. It's got, it's got you, hasn't it? Yeah, you just feel it, don't you? You feel it, don't you? It's there. Just, just think about it a bit more. That's all you have to just don't forget it now. Look at this guy. He's the same. That guy's got it. You, you really are at the bottom of the pile, aren't you? Obviously, your status is not very high. Hey, think about that. Chew, it, chew that over. You know what you should say to him? You should say to him, if you were worth anything, you'd be getting like he's getting. Say it to him. Go on. Say it to him. And if you're worth your weight, God, you did it. Think about that. She doesn't even believe in you anymore. Well, he's just looking for he's just looking for a hook. He's just looking to find something to cause you unrest, to take away your peace. And he would tell you lots and lots of things in your head. And say, just think about that. Spend some time on that. Chew that one over. Like, ponder that. You like like that? Look at that picture. Why? Because he wants to undo you. He wants to destroy you. But when he comes to Jesus, Jesus says, guard your heart. Or out of it flow the issues of life. He says, nothing is going to separate you from the love of God. He says, you're more than a conqueror. He says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing that you face is going to be able to shake you. Nothing is going You are rock solid. You are solid all the way through, right to the very foundation. There is nothing that is going to shake you. You can go and go and go and not be shaken because Jesus is inside you. Nothing will move you. Come high water, come water all over you. It doesn't matter. You can breathe underwater. You're tossed off a cliff, you can fly like the eagle. It doesn't matter what you... Jesus will provide for you. He can call into the world out of nothing. He can provide for you out of something, out of nothing. He can just sit and speak it into being. All you need to have is faith and confidence that he's there. And then the peace of God. The peace of God takes control of your life puts a shield around it and john says you're of god little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world great peace of they that love the lord nothing shall offend them can't get through it the peace of god is like a fortress around them be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. It's a fortress. The peace of God is a fortress. You think, I can't handle this any longer. I can't. Don't, stop thinking about it. Don't, don't give it any more time. Look, put your eyes on Jesus and look at Jesus. He's in control of it. And the peace of God will start to stand up around you like a sentinel of soldiers. They'll come march around you and they'll stay. I'm oh, marching around you. Well, look, when my daughter, Renee, got cancer, 
Jen and I would just pray and said, Lord Jesus, we're just going to give this into your hand. She got cancer. People said to us, you're not stressed about it. There was, no, there was no stress in our lives. We would watch people come in to say hello to Renee when she was in the hospital and they would fall apart and Renee would comfort them. They would fall apart because they oh, you're going to die. Oh, they would just fall apart. Or just look at the storm. Renee was saying, it's all good. It's all good. God's in this. It's all good. Had her eyes on the Lord. And we believed God. It was all good. We just, we just had that faith. It was just, you couldn't move it. Jen and I had no sense of fear or worry about it. It was just a matter of the healing's coming. It was coming through. That was it. There was no distress inside. Why? Because there's huge angels standing about me. And the peace of God is there in me. And Jesus inside me says, don't fear. Have faith. It's not, <laughs> look, you know, some of you pray like, and I've heard this, I've heard people pray, and they pray loud and noisy. But the prayer is not a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of stress and fear. It's like the disciples coming to Jesus who's in the back of the way. Oh, Jesus, help us. We're going to, oh, water. Oh, water. There's no prayer of faith there. Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. He's in the boat with you. It takes away the fear. So your prayer shouldn't have to be panic-stricken. Oh, help me, God. Oh, it's going to hurt me. No, it's not Jesus. You're in control of this. I just put my faith in you now. If you want to kill me with this, I'm happy to go. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. No fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Not a problem. Listen to me, folks. The faith that you have is faith in Jesus' presence with you. And if Jesus is present with you, the Prince of Peace has taken up his abode within you. And if he is living within you, it guards your heart and your minds. And so it doesn't matter about the storm because one who is greater than the storm has taken up residence in the house. Now may the God of hope fill you with all peace in believing and that you may abound in hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is strength in your walk. Confidence in him. Jesus is not going to leave you. He's going to be there for you. Colossians chapter 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 16 says, And now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we see the names of Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. It's not upon liberal and it's not upon labor. It's not upon anybody, it's upon him. The government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, folk, you cannot escape the shaking. It's coming. It's the nature of the beast. He's thrashing because he knows his days are short. And the devil hates you particularly because you love Jesus. He hates you and he's looking for an opportunity to undermine you. This week, be careful to place your mind in God and let him guide you and lead you on a personal way in every situation. And those things that come at you and knock on your door to cause you stress, you send Jesus to answer the door because you don't have to stress about those things. Jesus got it all in control. Live there. You don't put that on. You got them on. Live there. Walk there. Have your life covered by that. Let the peace of Jesus rest in you now. Amen. Let's stand then. Just have your eyes closed and open your hearts to the Lord now. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. You know, different times during the week you may have felt stress just flood into your life. You know, anxiety overcome you. Things that are, you ha- you're not in control of, worries and fears and perplexing things that have flooded your mind. They lay seeds when they come. It's time to root out those things. If those things have been bugging you this week, if there's been things that have just been coming back and coming back again and you've been watering them with thinking about them and meditating on them but you want to rip them out now I want you to bring them to Jesus I want you just to take those you know what they are you just wrap them up in a parcel in your mind like all that anxiety or the stress or the fear or the worry or the whatever it is that's bugging you wrap it up in your mind you got it? Is it wrapped up tightly? Bind it around with the word of God. Take it up. Now cast it on him. I want you to cast it toward him. Just imagine Jesus is standing at the front here and says, now throw it to him. Get rid of it. Get it out. Throw it away from you. Cast it from you. Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. Let it go. If you want to, you just do the action of throwing it. If you want to throw it, throw it away from you. Do not let it stand there. Let it go. That's right, let it go. Throw it out from you and throw it to him. Now, Lord Jesus, I pray that your peace, Lord, your peace would rest in each heart, Lord Jesus. Lord, those that have cast it from them, Lord, the anxieties and the worries and the stresses and the pains and the, the friction and, Lord Jesus, the backward and forward, Lord, as they've cast it on you, Father, now fill the void with your peace. Fill it with yourself, Lord Jesus, I pray. Minister your grace to them right now in Jesus' name. Strengthen them for the day. Lord, we thank you that you're in the boat and to love us and we put our confidence in you, Lord Jesus. 
And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.